So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the 6th chapter of Ephesians. We're going to look at the last part of the Christian's armor today. We're almost done with the book of Ephesians now. and After so long of studying it, we are finally approaching the end. I don't know exactly how long we've been in this book, but I think I've taught somewhere around 40 sermons through the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to look at the last part of the Christian armor today. And... Uh, study it and I'm about glad I'm, I'm about glad I'm done with it I'd have one time I didn't think I'd live long enough to finish it so I'm, I'm glad that it's coming to an end but, so let's go ahead and read, read Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 17 then I'm going to deal with the latter part of verse 17 verse 17b I guess and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there it's the sword of the spirit we'll talk about today but Ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 10 it says finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of the Almighty so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of the Almighty so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist and righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the the shield of faith and with it you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Almighty's word. So today we're talking about the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of Yahweh. What exactly does that mean and what is entailed in that small, subtle, brief statement. That's the question that I have. Well, you're in for a treat. I don't mean to be presumptuous, but you're in for a treat because this individual verse is just slam-packed, full of information. And I highly doubt that I know all that there is to know about the verse, but I'll do my best to bring forth and bring to light the studies that I've studied thus far. When talking about the word of Yahweh, there's no limit as to what can be found within the pages. One writer says this. He says, The authorship of the Bible is so wonderful that there are, there are words written by kings, by emperors, by princes, by poets, by sages, by philosophers, by fishermen, by statesmen, by men learned in the wisdom of Egypt, by those educated in the schools of Babylon, and by those trained at the feet of rabbis in Jerusalem. It was written by men in exile in the desert in shepherds' tents, in green pastures, in prisons, and beside still waters. Also among its authors, we find a tax collector, a herdsman, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. We find a poor man, a rich man, statesmen, preachers, captains, legislators, judges, and exiles. The Bible is a library full of history, genealogy, law, ethics, prophecy, poetry, medicine, politics, economy, and of course the perfect rules for the personal and social life. And behind every word of it is the divine author, Yahweh himself. Amen. Now I'll tell you all that, and you would think that everyone would want to read this book. But unfortunately that's just not true. Because of the perfection of the book, Satan has tried in every way to remove it from our lives. It has been spit on, it's been ridiculed, it's been laughed at. It's been scorned. It's been made fun of. It's been taken for granted. And it's even been burned by some. 
we're talking about the Bible, something that people died for, the guidebook to our life. It's what I call the paradigm of my life. It's what I look at all the time to make my decide my decisions sure. <clears throat> That's appalling to me to know that somebody had burned a Bible. It's appalling to me that know, to know that somebody <laughs> spit on a Bible or mocked it, things like that. But knowing that it has been the source of life for me and for so many others, I just keep on going. I just hang in there. The adversary and all his hosts are still in the world. They're working in the spiritual realms, and they're making every effort to destroy the validity of Yahweh. And what a better way to do it than to destroy his, his word. There's no better way to destroy Yahweh than to destroy his word. His instructions, his promises, his blessings, and his curses are found between the covers of what we call the Holy Bible. Again, this is our source to a blessed and happy life. And it's so needful for us to conduct ourselves in a civil manner to our neighbor and in a holy manner to our Creator. All of that is what our Bibles entail, every bit of that. But still, I'm not sure that we even have the capability of knowing just how powerful the sword of Yahweh is or the sword of the Spirit is, just how powerful the Word is that's bound between those leather bindings. As a matter of fact, I'm quite confident that we have no idea how powerful it really is. Well, get ready to learn what kind of resources you have here because this is the final piece of armor. The Bible that you hold, that's your final piece of armor. Up until now, every piece of armor has been for our defense and not necessarily for our offense. If you've been listening to the sermons for the last, I don't know, six months, they've been about the, the defensive part of the armor. Everything defends us. We've girded our loins with the truth. In essence, we've gotten committed We've gotten committed. We've separated ourselves from the world in, in efforts to live righteous lives and have pla placed on ourselves or on our chest the breastplate of righteousness. We've sandaled our feet with the readiness of the gospel and knowing that salvation has already taken place for us through the Messiah and that he's made peace between us and Yahweh once and for all. He's settled our account. He's made that peace between us. When the battle rages on, we know now to take up the shield of faith and defend ourselves against the adversary with the faith that we have in Yahweh and his uncontrolled power to deliver us from evil. And last time we learned to put on the helmet of salvation to parry the blows that the adversary sw swings at us with that big broad sword. However, the battle cannot just be a battle of defense or else we just run around all the time getting attacked, okay? We can't just defend ourselves all the time. Now this is a battle, this is armor to protect us, but it can't always just be a battle of defense. Matthew taught me that a long time ago when he would do debates. He said you can't always just be on the defensive side. Sometimes you gotta feed it back to him. Sometimes you gotta you gotta play the offense. And that's what the sword of the spirit is for. That's what your Bible's for. But even though we have the sword in our get up of our Christian armor, I'm afraid that a lot of people don't even know how to use it. Me being one of those people at times. I don't know how to access it. I don't know how to use it. I'm afraid that some people don't know how to use it. So here's some examples of how it might be used. I've thought of a couple. There's thousands of ways that you might use the Bible, but here's a couple that I thought of. When someone rubs you the wrong way, do you retaliate with mean words or something negative to say back to them? Or do you give them a kind answer to turn away wrath? Are we conquered by evil, or do we conquer evil with good? Do we feed our enemy? Or do we give him something to drink when he's thirsty? Well, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the word of Yahweh says. That's what it says to do. Remember that vengeance belongs to Yahweh. 
and that we must leave room for his wrath. It's not our place. The Bible's not a book that teaches us how to attack Satan in a negative sense, but it teaches us how to deal with Satan in a methodical sense. We are to use the words of Yahweh to combat Satan in everyday life. I want you to think about this. Remember the temptation that was brought to the Messiah as Satan comes to the Messiah in the wilderness. Yeshua's on the mountain. When Satan tells Yeshua, he says, If you're the son of Yahweh, tell these stones to become bread. What does Yeshua do? He dices him to pieces with a sword. He quotes scripture. He uses the word of Yahweh because he says man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. This is our example, folks. He gives us the perfect use of the sword of the Spirit. He gives us the perfect use. Think about the next temptation that Satan throws at him. He says, if you're the son of Yahweh, throw yourself down for it's written. He will give his angels order concerning you. And they will support you with their hands that you won't strike your foot against a stone. But what does Yeshua say? He said, it is also written, do not tempt the Lord your Almighty. Once again, a perfect demonstration of how to use the sword of the Spirit. The word of Yahweh, the resource that you've been given. So this is how it's to be used. This is our example. Christ is our example. When we look at him, we ought to act like he does. We ought to do like he does. We ought to talk like he does and walk like he does. He's our example. We're to use it in every effort to whittle away at the deception of the tact and the tactics of the devil. But how powerful is the word of Yahweh? Is it strong enough? Will it do everything that we need it to do? We see it in use here, but we only see it briefly. We only see it just for a second in the Gospels or in that part of the Gospels or the, or the example that I give you. So what is its capacity and how strong can it be? How strong can this sword be? Well, the Bible's many things. Number one, the Bible is infallible. Okay, In other words, it is faultless. Psalms 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Almighty is perfect. Okay. Number two, it is inerrant meaning that it has no error in it. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 says that every word of Yahweh is pure, all of them. Number three, it is complete. We all need to listen to this one. It is complete, meaning that it doesn't need any help. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. It has been completed by men, directed by Yahweh, and it is whole. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2 says, you must not add anything to what I command you or take anything away from it so that you may keep the commands of Yahweh, your Almighty, that I am giving you. Deuteronomy 12 and verse 32, it says the exact same thing. And Revelation in chapter 22 and verse 18, talking about the prophecy that John was given, he says the same thing there. Yahweh doesn't need our help in composing his word. He has already chosen men to perform that task, and it is complete. He did it just right. Number four, it says the word of Yahweh is authoritative. And what I mean by that is it is supreme. When we hear the word, we are to give ear at that point and we're to act upon it. When the Bible says, thus, when the Bible says, thus saith Yahweh, you read in the old King James Version, thus saith Yahweh, it means the creator of heaven and earth has just spoken. Listen and do what he says to do. Yeah. Amen. He, is, he has all the authority. Number five, the Bible is sufficient. It is all we need, saints. It is all we need. Nothing else is required for you to, to direct your life. In 2 Timothy, in chapter, two, uh, chapter 3, and verses 16 and 17, Paul says this. He says to Timothy, All Scripture is inspired by Yahweh and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the men of Yahweh may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. You don't need anything else. Just need Yahweh's word. It's the guidebook to good living. I see those on magazines, like O'Coney Living, Country Living. This is the guidebook to good living. This is the magazine for good living. Number six, it's effective. I wouldn't stand up here if Yahweh's word was not effective. I wouldn't stand here. If I didn't have confidence that it could do what he said it would do, I wouldn't stand up here and I wouldn't teach it. Yahweh's word doesn't go out and it doesn't return it doesn't go out and return void. It doesn't do that. I'm reminded of the eunuch when he was preached to by Philip. What happened? He believed and he was baptized. That's what happened. Philip didn't whip the eunuch into shape. He didn't tell the eunuch, hey, look, you need to come down here and say this special prayer. He didn't say you need to walk down to this altar. He didn't perform any miracles. He simply explained Isaiah chapter 53 to him, and the eunuch said what? I believe. And he was baptized. He was baptized. The word of Yahweh is effective in just that. All you have to do is share it with somebody. It does the rest of it. We plant and we water, and Yahweh gives the increase. That's the way it works. And last but certainly not least, number seven, the Bible is of holy design. It's not of our design. It is of holy design. It is spoken from and planned by the creator of all things, the creator of the universe. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 through 21 says first of all you should know that you should know this no prophecy of scripture comes from anyone's own interpretation because no prophecy ever come by the will of man instead moved by the holy spirit Amen. men spoke from Yahweh this is not man's bible we use it but it's not by man this is Yahweh's word men wrote it but they were led by the holy spirit and that is of Yahweh so those are some, not all of course, the list could go on and on, but those are some of the powerful attributes of Yahweh's word. So the Bible's one big resource, but how does it benefit us in particular? How does it benefit us? When we read the Bible, what can we glean from it, and how does it help us in everyday life? Would you say that it's our source of truth? I think so. I'm not sure about you, but it's the only thing that I find credible. Yeah. Only thing that I find credible. You... You sure can't listen to the news. We don't trust the government. The school books are bogus. You know, what you learn in school, it's, it's a joke. So where do we turn for truth? I would say it's the prime resource. This book right here is infallible. It stood the test of time, and it's been found time and time again to be credible over and over and over again. What about our source for happiness? Does it not give us the knowledge of how to be happy? All throughout Scripture, we find verses that teach us how to be happy. Psalms 127 and verse 5, it says, How happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Speaking of the children, I've got five of them. I know what they do for me. They make me have a happy life. I know that they bring joy to my life. Are not your children, are not your children, do they not bring happiness to you? They cause us to live long lives. That's what they do. That's what they do. What about verses like Job 5 and verse 17? It says, see how happy the man is, Yahweh corrects. So do not reject the dis- discipline of the Almighty. Through verses like these, we learn that and are benefited by the knowledge that correction is a good thing. My dad's here tonight, and I, I know what correction does. It made me who I am. Yes. The same way yes. with Yahweh. I know what his correction does. It makes us who we are. It's not a bad thing to be corrected. Yahweh chastens those whom he loves. And he whips us because he loves us. It's a good thing. We learn that through the scriptures. We learn that it's good to be chastened by Yahweh. 
Psalms 119, verses 1 through 2, it says, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the law of Yahweh. Happy are those who keep his decrees and and they seek him with all their heart. So happiness is not only brought forth by the Bible, but also illustrated and understood through the words of Scripture. What about our source of power? Yahweh's word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. We can build up with it, and we can destroy with Yahweh's word. We can do both. Without it, I'm not sure about you, but I'd feel helpless. So not only is it the source of happiness and power, but let's definitely not forget that it's our source of guidance. The word is a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light unto our path. It's the source of encouragement. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says that for whatever was written before was written for our instruction so that through our endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we may have hope this is our encouragement this is what gets us from day to day this is what runs us through life when I need some encouragement this is what does it right here there's vessels in life that encourage you but this is this is what brings me the most the most encouragement <clears throat> is it the source of perfection Second Timothy 3 and uh, verses 16 and 17, I mentioned them again, but it says again that it's, it brings us to completion. It brings us to perfection. And one more thing it does, it's our source of victory above the enemy. It's our source of victory. And that's what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 is talking about. It's the offensive weapon that we will use to cut away at Satan's attacks. The word of Yahweh is the, word of, is the sword of the Spirit. When we properly know how to use the word of Yahweh, it's unstoppable in the hands of a believer. It's unstoppable. So I've told you how resourceful the Bible was and um, how it benefits us. But now I ask you, do you know how to use it? Do you know how to use the Bible? I'm afraid that most people carry around a Bible and few of them ever use it. You carry around the sword, but you never pull it out of the sheath. It just stays holstered all the time. And even for the one who pulls it out, I'm not so sure that they know how to swing it or they know how to wield the sword. It doesn't matter if you carry a sword around. If you don't know how to use it, it's kind of like putting a gun on your hip not knowing how to shoot. It doesn't make any sense. If you just carry the gun around but you can't shoot, you're only the first target. You'll be the first one that the enemy takes out because you're the threat. When you claim to be a Christian and pick up this Bible, you're marked. Satan's on your tail. He, he wants to get you out of the way because you're a threat to him. So when you pick it up and you start carrying it, you need to know how to use it. Be like me walking in a store. John carries a gun. So most everybody in here carries guns. But anyway, um, say I walk into a store and I see John standing over in the corner and I've got all intentions to rob that store. All right, well, I see John over there and he's got a gun on his side and I notice, John, I've got a choice to make, right? I either take out John and eliminate my obstacle or either I cancel my plans and don't rob the store, right? Well, if he knows how to use his pistol, he might just stop me and stop the store from being robbed. But if not, then he's just going to be the first dead man with a gun laying in the store, and the store's still going to get robbed because I'm going to take him out first. He's, he's opposed to threat to me, right? So it's not that you carry a Bible around that it's important, but it's much more important that you know how to use it. It doesn't matter how much power the Bible has if you, if you can't use it. At this 
you know, at, the, at that point, it's just a weapon at your disposal that nobody can handle. It's no good. It's no good. It's just a book. This is why we systematically teach the Bible. This is the reason that we teach it this way. So that week after week, the scriptures are taught so that we, we in this assembly will be prepared when Satan comes along to be able to defend ourselves so he can't just jump on you. You've got the defensive armor, but you need to be able to use it. You've got this sword, but you need to be able to use it. And this is wrong. Why we teach this way? And the sword of the Spirit, Yahweh's word, is the weapon of choice for our offense. Okay? It's not that it's not a defensive weapon, but it's the weapon of choice for our offense. And the sword of the Spirit, Yahweh's word, is that. <clears throat> so with that being said, looking at verse 17 again, back to Ephesians chapter 6, what kind of sword does Paul have in view here? Well, we've talked about the Roman soldier over and over and over again. I've kind of laid that out in the last five or six sermons, and I've done it just about every time. But what kind of weapon does Paul have in view here? It's the small weapon. He, you, you think he's looking at this Roman soldier there, and that's what he's kind of drawing this picture out, and he's got a little small sword, and he's got it in a sheath. You know? and, he, and what he's doing is he's taking that physical sword, and he's, and he's using it and drawing a metaphor out of it to compare it to the the spiritual war, I mean the spiritual battle garments being the, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation things like that, but he's looking at it and he sees this small sword, and it's about an 18 inch sword or something like that, that they would use in hand to hand combat, and it's called a Makaira, with that sword what Paul's trying to do is is, is open our eyes up to see exactly what we can use this Bible for, in, a, in, a, in the sense of a metaphor well it's the Makaira we have talked about it in the last two sermons, it's the small sword, a foot soldier would use but Paul said it's the sword of the Spirit. Okay? What does that mean? Does it mean it's the Holy Spirit's weapon of choice? Or does it mean that the Holy Spirit makes all the swords for the Christians? You know, I guess something like that might sound good, but that's not that doesn't really make sense. So for all you in-depth Bible students, I'm gonna go a little bit deeper right here and I deal with the with a Greek phrase, okay, of the Spirit. In the Greek, this phrase of the Spirit, it literally reads to pneumatos, right? So the phrase could be translated, take the sword by the Spirit. That's an option. That is an option. Or it could be translated in an objective sense, just spiritual sword. Take the spiritual sword. That's one option, right? Not referring to the Holy Spirit, but simply that the sword is a spiritual weapon, right? And to support this, we can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and verse 4. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'm, I'm going to read it. But uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, Paul's talking. And he says, We do not wage war in a fleshly way, since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are powerful through Yahweh for the demolition of strongholds. Okay, in 2 Corinthians 10, he is obviously talking about Paul. He is obviously speaking about a spiritual weapon. Okay, that's the implication in, in 2 Corinthians 10, right? As for Ephesians 6, does the context that we've been studying throughout the last five or six months, does that context support a spiritual sword? Well, if we look back at verse 12, we can get some context again. So we go back to verse 12, and it reads like this. It says, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. So you see, it seems as if it's, it's a spiritual sword. It's used to fight spiritual adversaries. We've got spiritual armor 
or spiritual adversaries. Satan, his demonic influence, everything that attacks us in a spiritual realm, we use spiritual tools and spiritual armor to protect ourselves. Not that the sword couldn't be given by the Spirit of Yahweh in some way. We could understand it that way. It's not that it couldn't be given by the, by the Spirit of Yahweh. And in some way, I think that it may be. But I see all the armor as being spiritual. And so why not the sword being a spiritual tool as well? Okay? So we have a spiritual sword, not, not one forged in human anvils or tempered by earthly fires, but one that has a divine origin, a powerful, effective sword, that is incomparable or matchless in the hands of the trained believer. Now I've been telling you this, I've been telling you that this is an offensive weapon throughout the sermon, but how do we use it offensively? I can think of a couple ways, I thought of a couple ways and I thought I would mention them. What about in the means of salvation? What about in the means of salvation? Is the word of Yahweh a word that saves? I mentioned the eunuch earlier, how was he saved? It was the word of Yahweh. Okay? By the preaching of the word, Philip preached and the eunuch believed. Right? He was saved. That's offensive. What about the law of Yahweh? Are the instructions given to Moses? Do this and do that. Walk this way and walk that way. Are not the commandments not an offensive attack against righteousness? Sure it is. Sure it is. Just yesterday I went into a store and um, I've been down at the house. There's a marina down where I live at. And um, I go in there a lot. I go in there every single day that's not the Sabbath and the new moon. And uh, I get a biscuit there every morning. I've been going in there for four years. And um, I've been wearing tassels for 13 or 14 years, I guess. Well, I walk in this store. And um, this girl looks at me and she says, What are those things on your pants? And I thought man I've got bleach on my pants or something you know I was looking around and I've had tassels on forever I, I don't ever take them off anyway I said oh these these tassels she said yeah those strings what are those things for so I proceeded to explain Numbers chapter 15 to her right. and uh, educated her a little bit very mild very easy I just explained it to her that I use them to remind me to keep the commandments to, to Yahweh told us to tie them on, our, on the four corners of, our, corners of our garments and that's what I wear them for yeah well, she looked at me a little silly, but then she said, that's a great idea. I said, you go to church? She said, I did until two or three years ago. Long story short, she didn't go to church, but I said, hey, I encourage you to pick up your Bible and start reading. I said, start right there in Numbers 15, but a good idea just to figure out what these tassels are about. I may be lying to you. Maybe I'm not. You know what? I just kind of left her with that right there. I just used it as a sword, offensive, to plant a seed. I didn't beat her over the head with it. I wasn't in a, I don't believe that Satan was attacking me by her asking me about my tassels. I wasn't defensive about it. I just simply said, hey, look, here you go. So I used it that way. The word of Yahweh is perfect unto salvation. It will deliver people. You don't have to, you don't have to get people by hot dogs or hamburgers or buy them a puppy or anything like that. All you have to do is share the gospel with them. If they believe it, they'll, you know, they can have salvation. It's not a, it's not some kind of trick. It's, it, you know, we don't have to step through hoops or walk underneath certain poles or anything like that. We just share the word with them. It's that simple. It's that simple. So in some way, as we wield the sword of Yahweh or wield the word of Yahweh in an effective way, we're clearing the ground and cutting away the weeds that we may find good soil to cast seeds on, right? May find good soil. Steadily hacking away at Satan's kingdom, prepping the ground that a, a child of Yahweh may be born one day. Right. Be born by the Spirit. These are examples, just a couple examples of how I think that it can be used offensively. However, a sword is not just an offensive weapon, but it's also a defensive weapon. 
not that it is, I've been talking about it being offensive. It is the only offensive weapon in Ephesians chapter 6 in the armor, okay? However, the armor is defensive, so it can be defensive as well, okay? If you've ever seen a movie with two people sword fighting, you notice that they not only strike at each other, but they also defend each other, okay? And they do that just as much as they try to stick their opponent. So it's with the word of Yahweh that we'll use, we'll use this word to defend ourselves against the tactics of Satan. As Satan comes to attack you with all of his temptations and his assaults, you can parry the blow of uh, Satan with the word of Yahweh. We see our Lord do this in Matthew 4. We talked about it a little while earlier, but I'll deal with it a little bit deeper now. <clears throat> in the first temptation from Satan to Yeshua on the mountain, he tempts him with food. Okay? I want you to notice what Yeshua says when he responds to Satan. He quotes part of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse, and verse 3, and he says, Man must not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. I hope you notice that the verse that he battles Satan with is exactly has exactly to do with the temptation that is given. Okay? Yeshua was hungry. Satan says, turn these stones into bread. He says, I don't need any bread. Man don't live on bread alone, but every mouth, word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. He deals specifically with what Satan says with a verse that specifically dealt with that. Okay? So Satan carries him... If we look at the second temptation, Satan carries him to the holy city and he stands him up on the pinnacle of the highest point. And he tells Yeshua, throw yourself down for it's written that he will give his angels orders concerning you and you will, they will support you, right? All right. What does Yeshua say? Is it not also written, do not test Yahweh your Elohim? Yes, yes. This time he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16. Notice again he deals with the issue with exact scripture. All right, the third time Satan comes to him and he on the mountain and he takes him to the top of the mountain and he says, look at all those kingdoms down there. Look at the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor and if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you everything that's there. You can have it all. And what does Yeshua say this time? He quotes the scripture. The devil offers him idolatry and Yeshua quotes a verse dealing with idolatry. Get behind me, Satan, is what he says first. Get behind me, Satan, or go away. For it is written, Yahweh, your Almighty, will serve him only. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, that's Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. I hope you see the scriptures here are dealing exactly with the problem at hand. Yes. He uses the Makaira of the word, the sword of the word, and he uses it precisely to deal exactly with the temptation that Satan shoots at him every time. So I ask you today, can you wield the sword of the Spirit? Do you know the Bible good enough to defend yourself with it? Do you know it good enough? Guys, listen to me. It doesn't matter if you own Lifeway Christian Bookstore. I don't care if you've got a tractor trailer full of Bibles. It doesn't matter how many you got. If you don't know what's in them and you don't know how to use them, you won't be effective with them and they're a waste of time. You might as well just leave it on the dash of the truck and let it fade in the sun if you're not going to read it. It's no good. It won't do you any good. It won't do you any good. Now look, you guys, stay with me. I'm going to go one step further in this. I want you to look at the end of verse 17. It says, the sword of the Spirit is the word of the Almighty. Well, that term, word, here is not the Greek word logos, for you Greek students, right? The word there is it's not the Greek word logos. Logos may be a term that you're familiar with, like in John 1 where the 
the word of Yahweh become flesh and dwelt among men. People, the, the Greek word behind that word, log, word, word there is logos, or the term word there is logos. And maybe you may be familiar with that. However, the Greek word logos is a general term speaking of the entirety of Yahweh's word. Okay, everything bound between the book, right there. That's it can be it can be in reference to all of that, speaking of everything in there. The Greek word here in Ephesians chapter six and verse seventeen that's represented is the Greek word rhema. All right, it's used to talk about a specific statement. Not the whole word in general. The word of the Spirit is the specific statement of Yahweh. So if I were to read it in that light, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, it would say, take up the sword of the Spirit, of our spiritual sword, which is the specific statement of Yahweh. And if you don't know specifically, man, that's a lot of specifics. If you don't know specifically what Yahweh says about certain things, you can't use the word of Yahweh to defend yourself, okay? You can't fight off Satan and what he throws at you if you don't know what the Bible says. This is why we teach the Bible exegetically. This is why we do that, so you actually understand. I don't just read a verse, get up here and tell you two or three stories, and then figure out where everybody's going out to eat after church so we can all meet up, you know? No, we study. Yes. We study yes. verse yes. by verse by verse. I've went through all of Ephesians. I've done this for three years, verse by verse, so you know exactly what it says. Yes. We labor in the Word so yes. that we understand it. We don't just read it. I don't just surface read it. Yes. I like it out in the deep end, man. Come out here, the yes. water, your feet don't hit the ground. Get out yes. there and get deep. Understand it. It's important that we understand it. I try to teach you the principles in the text so that you can add them to your arsenal. And when Satan shows up and he throws something at you, you've got something to fight him off with. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, listen to me, saints. You've got to learn the words of Yahweh. You've got to learn the principles of Yahweh. Mm. We've got to study to show ourselves approved. We've got to. Amen, brother. The reason so many people fall into temptation is because they have no ideas what between the cover of this book right here. They don't know. They don't know. It's amazing to me that somebody like a Jehovah's Witness can walk up to your front door and he can spend 30 minutes there and he can pick apart a Christian that has been in Bible school and Sunday school and church for 20 years. Mm. They've been to thousands of sermons, but a Jehovah's Witness shows up and most people shut the door and they go hide in the closet. I know because I know people that do that. And they say, oh, here comes those Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm going to go hide. You know, they go get in the closet because they don't want to talk to them. They, you know why? Because they don't know how to defend the Word. They don't know how. Where if you just know the Word, I, I invited them up to my steps. We used to have hours of Bible conversation on the front porch. I love to talk to them. They're great people. You know why? Because I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I know what the Bible says, so if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. I don't run and go hide in a closet. You know? But everybody goes to church. They've been to church for 20 years. They've sat under preachers for time and time and time again. You know what? They never do. They never open their Bible. They don't study. They don't read. They don't put forth the effort. And that's why they don't know anything. And that's why they're fearful when somebody comes along and they challenge them just a little bit. And what's wrong if you are wrong? What's the problem with that? Be educated. If that Jehovah's Witness knows more than I do, then educate me. If I can, if I can correct him, I'll correct him. If not, I'll, I'll, I'll be thankful to learn something. I'm not too good to learn something. I'm not so closed-minded that he can't teach me something. That's right. They have truths too, guys. That's right. And a lot of them. That's right. And a lot of them. Right. So true. Oh, if we know the Bible, if we can just use the Word, we can defend ourselves from Satan. But also, to educate people in the ways of Yahweh that we may also share the gospel with them. It's not just defense. 
If you don't know, how in the world can you tell your children how to be saved or what they need to do? Your kids are growing up, and they're 8, and they're 10, 12 years old, and they're asking you all about Bible things, and you don't know. What are you going to tell them? What are you going to tell them? We made it a point to be able to educate our children. I'm not even saying that it was always effective. I'm just saying we made a point to be educated so that we could educate them. So we studied the Word of Yahweh. Oh, man, and just for the sake of sharing, I'm going to give you one more nugget that I figured out when I was uh, reading this, I mean, studying this sermon, and I'll close the sermon with this. Just a second ago, I was talking about how the rhema of Yahweh is specific to certain situations in life and how we use it and how we use it is detrimental to its effect. If we use it wrong, it won't work. If we use it right, it is incredible how strong it is, okay? In other words, in a specific statement, it is a specific statement about a certain thing. Okay, well, how many people in here have heard, a lot of people have heard this, how many people in here have heard Romans 10, verse 17, quoted, usually like this, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody in here heard that? Most everybody's heard it? All right. Well, that's the way it's often quoted. However, that is not the way that the Greek renders it. That's the way it's translated in our Bible, but that's not the way the Greek renders it. Okay, I'm telling you this so that you understand what the word rhema means. So think about this. Are you telling me, or is, or is the Bible telling me, faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God, is it telling me in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that I can quote any verse in that Bible, let's say a verse out of Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, and a person can build his salvific faith in Christ on that verse. If I talk to you about the salv- I mean the virtuous woman, how are you going to build your salvific faith on that verse? Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous to me. That don't make any sense. I'm not going to teach you about not eating pork and try to build your faith in Christ. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. That's silly, right? Yeah. All right. I wouldn't go to Proverbs 31 to share the gospel with anybody. Right. It wouldn't help me at all. But the Greek says this, faith cometh by hearing a rhema, a specific word about Christ. That's what Romans 10, 17 really says. Faith comes by hearing a specific word about Christos. All right? Faith doesn't come by hearing the word generally. It comes by hearing a specific word about Yeshua. And I hope you see that. When we share with someone, it's important that we use the Bible as it's intended to be used. Okay, when I want to tell somebody about Yeshua, I find verses about Christ. Mm-hmm. I, t- I teach teach about the Gospels. Isaiah fifty three was a good, yes. you know. Yes. I don't use verses about the dietary laws or the virtuous woman to share the gospel with somebody. That's not going to do them any good. I'm not sharing the gospel with them. I can teach them all about the dietary laws and the virtuous woman because those are important. Sure. But I'm not trying to share the gospel with them at that point. Right. 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 I'm trying to show them where they're in error at that point and why they need a gospel. If I'm talking about those kind of things. I use a specific verse that deals with a specific topic. I use the rhema. When Philip witnessed to the eunuch, he didn't read Proverbs 31, did he? No, he used Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8 to be to be exact. Yeah. Folks, in order to share the word of Yahweh with someone, you've got to know the word of Yahweh. You've got to know it. And we need to know it well enough that it's second nature to us. We used to do this, or Matthew and I did, or he, he used to do it a lot more than I did. I'm not nearly as versed as he, well versed as he is in the scriptures, but I would just say something in general, and everything that comes out of his mouth is a response, spirit, you know, from the Bible. And some people might say, "All right, look, you're so spiritually minded that you, you know, you ain't no heavenly good or no earthly good." But 
that's the way that you learn it. If you learn to if you learn to talk through the scriptures, it's the way that you learn it. Every time somebody mentions something to you, quote them something about scripture, it might get old after a little while, but you know, it's the way that you can learn the Bible. So um the way that we learn it is to study it daily. We do it every day. We get up in the morning, we open our Bible and we study it. We learn it. We learn it. We're not going to be able to plead one day. We're not going to be able to plead in front of Yahweh and say, you know what? I just uh I couldn't understand those big words, Yahweh. I didn't have time. Mm. Man, I was busy, and man, my guys, they, they weren't doing what they're supposed to do. I had to go to the job. I'm not going to be able to say that. Mm. I'm not going to be able to say I had to take my kids to a ball game. Mm. Or, you know, we were busy cooking. I'm not going to be able to say that. Why? Why don't we read? You know why we don't read? It's because it's not our priority. If, like Matthew said the other day, if you want to know, you'll know. Jerry said it two or three sermons ago. He said, you will read as much as you want to read. You will learn as much as you want to learn. You will fast as much as you want to fast, and you will eat as much as you want to eat. I guarantee you, when all of us get ready to go on vacation, nothing gets in the way. Mm. Nothing gets in the way. We manage to get our bags packed. We book all the daggum plane tickets. We get the trip lined up. I know my wife does because we go on a lot of vacations, and I'm telling you, she don't miss a beat. Throw the Bible in the mix of that. It's like, you know what I mean? We've got to, we've got to figure out what's most important to us. Is it the most important to us? Do you get up every day and that be your most important thing? Are you thinking about your hobby? I could ask anybody in here, what's your hobby? And I guarantee you, everybody in here, unless the Bible is your hobby, everybody in here puts more time in their hobby than they do in that book right there. I may be the only one that does that, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. We just have to get committed to Yahweh. Look, Tyndale, he's the one that got us... Our English translation of the Bible. Okay, that's that's how they how they come about. Tyndale says this. He says the way that you make people strong is you give them the knowledge of the Word of God or the Word of Yahweh. That's how you make people strong. It was precisely that dedication to Yahweh's Word right there that led to the accurate translations of the Bible that you have in your hand and that I'm reading up here. That dedication. He was that dedicated. He was so bent on making sure that every plowboy and every farmer yes. had a Bible that he could read. He was so yes. dedicated that we have Bibles today in the English translation. Yes. The Puritans that fought to keep this country founded on Christianity, that yes. went through all that, those people right there, and before them, the Protestants that you know that went went ahead of us, the great reformers like Martin Luther and the like, all those people that blazed the trails ahead of us, they felt the pains and the toils and all that stuff, but they were dedicated to that word right there. Those are the people that we ought to be thankful. You be thankful that Yahweh put people in place like that. The prophets of old and the people that helped us get the Bibles and stuff, you be thankful because those are the people that that deserve some recognition for what we do today. We take it for granted and we shouldn't take it for granted. We shouldn't take it for granted at all. Let's not take their labor in vain and leave it folded up on a coffee table and let it collect dust. Leave it sitting under a pew in front of you and look at it while you're sitting in here. Mm. Come on, guys. Mm. Man, you get up here and you work and you labor all week and you write sermons and you get up here and you teach. And who listens? Mm. Who listens? Mm. Listen. It's not hard. I'm dumb. I'm the dumbest person in here and I can read this book. Mm. You can read it. Mm. Take it home with you. Amen. Open it. Learn it. This is Yahweh's word. It's not mine. I didn't bring it up here. Yeah. Yahweh wrote this. He gave his only son for you. Can you read his book and learn to be like him? It's not hard. It's not hard. Like I said, I'm the dumbest one in here probably. I don't read good. I don't study good. I didn't make great grades in school. I didn't go to college. But I'm not too dumb that I can't read and learn if I try hard enough. Put forth the effort. 
put forth the effort. If you have a Bible, don't neglect to read it. If you don't have a Bible, I don't, I don't want you to get mine because i got all my notes in it. But if you'll come up to me afterwards, I'll find you a Bible. We'll dig one out of the back or something like that. I'll find one underneath one of these pews. I guarantee you every man and every woman in here will give you a Bible. All you got to do is ask for one if you don't have one. This is, this is what Yahweh gave us. This is the sword. It's the only offensive weapon you got. When Satan comes, all you can do is defend him. You can defend him. And how are you going to do it if you don't know his word? Yes. Yes. So take up your sword. Learn how to maneuver with it. Precision. Precision. Learn how to maneuver with it precisely. And so that you might protect yourself from Satan. And at the same time, maybe we'll be able to share the gospel. And show somebody the way to Yahweh.